All right, what is up, you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, in case you forgot. Um, we're going to get right into it. My hiatus, where I've been, uh, where I've been mentally. It's going to be a heavier intro, so if you guys want to skip through that and get to the entertainment part, I understand. I mean, there's a there's a certain energy, you know, that... If you're listening to something that's heavier, it'll drag down the mood. And so I completely understand. Um, with that being said, I have, uh, it's mainly been procrastination, let's be clear. Um, but all that procrastination started with, uh, I guess, tragedy. Um, so it was what, probably about two months ago, uh, I lost my dog, Duke, and, um, you know, people process tragedy differently, and at different paces, um, for me, mind you, I lost my father at six or seven, somewhere around there, but really, I was too young to fully process, um, the, just the tragedy that was going on in my life, so this really was kind of the first um the pa- the first passing of someone or something close to me, right? Um and it was pretty hard. I mean he so we didn't neglect him, but it was just he definitely didn't live the life he deserved and I say that confidently. Um he, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, and then afterwards, so he died of cancer, um, and it was pretty, pretty quick, I mean, he had stopped eating, and then, uh, we gave it a day or two, and then we took him in, and, uh, they gave us the diagnosis, and they said to leave him there, you know, say our goodbyes, and, uh, that shit, was uh pretty abrupt it was unexpected I mean but really that's that's the thing that fucks with me is the guilt the guilt is what really got to me because you guys know I overthink things I you know I often get lost in in thought and uh you know it was once he passed that I really just felt so much regret for, you know, being, being conscious of him deserving a better life while he was still here, you know, and just, um, not giving him that attention that he deserved, uh, or just any of that, and, and it was, um, I don't know. I mean, what it taught me was just going forward. If I ever get another dog, there's a level of commitment that you need to make, you know, being a dog owner. It's not just this object that's there for when you're happy and dismissed when you when you're not or when you don't want to give it attention. You know, it very much is a part of the family. And, um, 
yeah, I guess that's that's mainly what I took away from it. Um, and you guys may already know that. I mean, I hope you guys already know that. So well, just be mindful. You know, if you have pets, just cherish the time with them. Give them your time, your attention. Um, and just give them the best life that you can afford to, you know. Um, so his passing was... Yeah, about two months ago. And then not immediately after, but close enough after to compound onto what I was already feeling. Um, and, and just kind of the emotion and thoughts, you know, that, that were just racing through my head. Um, I got word that a, a co-worker... Uh, that I used to work alongside, um, had passed away. He, he committed suicide and that was pretty difficult because, um, I don't know. It was just a very, uh, a, a strong reminder of, uh, how everyone's fighting a battle, you know? And, um, I don't know, it always blew my mind because, mind you, I did not work, I, like, I was not too close to this individual, but I, I did work alongside him, I knew him, uh, I had many conversations, um, but I don't know, I mean, it just he had been known to be distant and kind of, I guess, quote unquote, weird in, in a couple of occasions or, you know, uh, by, by most of the people that worked with him. Um, and one of those instances that really fucked with me was I was talking to another coworker who had seen him on, uh, a weekend, probably, probably a year a year and a half before he actually took his life. Um, he saw him on a weekend at this gym that they both go to. And it was at night. And he was sitting outside the gym. And uh, and he was talking to himself. And when the co-worker told me this, you know, it was kind of... You know, shit is so easily dismissed man, you know, and it was, and it's so easy to crack a joke about it, you know, like, oh, that's, that's weird, you know, um, and it, it's an obvious sign that this guy is, you know, is battling his demons, and he's going through some shit, and, uh, I mean, he, you know, and, and in that moment, um, I was mindful that even when the coworker was explaining this situation to me, um, and mind you, it very much was that, like in that situation, it was kind of just a passive conversation, you know, cracked a quick joke about it. And that was that. Um, but in that moment I was, you know, I was conscious, oh shit, you know, this guy really is going through something. And I don't know if this is necessarily, you know, should just be a butt of the joke, like, I felt a little bit of guilt, even in the moment, being so passive about it, and mocking someone's, 
you know, their hardship and um, some of the the harder times in their life. Um, and and maybe that makes me, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, again, with the guilt, but it uh, it opened my mind now thinking back on it to just be mindful and not be so passive about it. And, you know, because even in that moment, being conscious of it being wrong, but still being willing to make a joke and going on with my life, like, like shit, you know, like nothing changed. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty troubling to me thinking back on it. And, uh, and so I guess just, you know, what also blew my mind, there was someone who, uh, another coworker, uh, when I was working in that workplace, um, I worked alongside her and, and I didn't really know her that much at all. Um, but, you know, she had committed suicide and it blew my mind how people just move on. And, and it's not to say that it's wrong because that's what you do, you know, like you can't just what the world does not stop and you can't just dwell on it. But it just blew my mind how it's like so quickly the conversation is you know, oh, damn, yeah, it sucks, but, you know, they were going through their issues, or, or whatever the fuck, whatever you have to tell yourself to make it, you know, some, some sick sort of justified, right, um, or, like, even with the services, like, you know, that, that's the conversation now, like, are you going to the services, and it's so, it's weird how it's so passively talked about, like, oh, no, I'm not going to the services. I promised my girl I would take her out for barbecue or some shit like that. And it's like, this is this motherfucking person's life, you know? And it's just gone. And uh, that just really made me mindful of, like, that could be me. And, you know, what? Not not necessarily what would be said, but, like, I mean, just how how quickly people move on, man. Uh, it always blew my mind. And for that same reason, I really would dwell on it, which I don't think is necessarily the right the right thing to do either. I, would, I Now thinking about it, I think it's probably just best if, you know, if you have a loss that's close to you like that, that you just talk to mutual friends, uh, you know, and really welcome that that sense of community because, you know, remembering someone in conversation, you guys bring up memories, uh, you know, happy memories, and, and just the first time you met the person, so on and so forth. And I think that's really uh, helpful in coping with someone's loss. And it, and it kind of pays them the respect, I guess, to have that conversation about them. But anyways, um, I don't know. I guess what I kind of took from this was uh yeah again just be mindful if if someone around you not even necessarily just a family or a friend um even if you just are passively associated with this person if you see them going through some shit because the signs can be so subtle and it's like just really try i guess and work up that will 
and that fucking attitude to go and talk to this person and really kind of, I guess, just put all of uh, whatever, whatever might be holding you back from from just talking to this this person uh try and put that behind you because really that conversation it can be powerful and to think that it could possibly save a person's life i mean i get chills just just talking about it and just mentioning it i would have to imagine that would be one of the top five things you could ever hope to accomplish in this life um, I, I really can't imagine much better. So, uh, yeah, just try not to be passive about it, I guess, and, and pay attention. Because um, every, everyone's fighting a battle. And that's the, this reminded me. And, uh, and also just the, uh, the overarching lesson of just life is fucking short, man. Um, do what you love, it, you know, whatever makes you feel, whatever makes you happy, follow that, follow that light, uh, cause this life is too fucking short, and, uh, nothing else really fucking matters, um, so with that being said, you know, both of those hardships kind of really, pushed me pretty deep into uh deep thought and I would say a mild depression um but you know which which then just led to procrastination and and I kept putting off the podcast and putting off the podcast um but now with that out there um if, I mean, if that was too heavy or uh, too deep, I'm not sorry. Because I think uh, a lot of podcasts or shows or just hosts of podcasts or shows, they really kind of make an effort uh, in, in most of the instances that I've seen. Uh, they make an effort to not, you know, to separate the, the deep personal stuff from the entertainment and that's never really been what this podcast has been about it's always been about shit that i'm into but also shit that i'm going through um because at the end of the day i'm aside from being a fan of music um a fan of technology a uh, sneakerhead someone that's into fashion um i'm also human and I go through shit and I know that you guys go through shit as well and so you know as I mentioned before with most podcasts straying away from it you know away from the deep content because it might not be quote-unquote good content um I feel like that gives me all the more reason uh to be transparent with you guys and really be open to digging deep into what I feel and why I feel and um and that transparency again is just something I want to put emphasis on because uh it's real you know that's real life so with that being said 
I am fucking thankful for every one of you listening. Um, I love you guys. I fucking miss doing this. And there has been so much to talk about. Goddamn. Uh, whether it be music, I mean tech, there's so much. But uh, this podcast will mainly be focused on, obviously, the Drake and Pusha T beef. And Kanye's album, the Ye album. Um, so this beef, I mean, goddamn, it has to be top five in the past 10 years. I mean, it's up there. Um, so I want to start, you know, recap kind of everything before I give you guys my thoughts on, you know, where we're at currently and what's recently gone down. Um, so I'm going to attempt to be brief but also thorough with the timeline of I guess where everything began so if we're really going way back um from what I understand it started with the clips record what happens to that boy with uh Birdman and uh I guess there were allegations that the clips weren't paid which this had to be what 10 plus years ago and here we are in 2018 and still that same shit is happening i i would believe it you know i I mean that shit is still happening that's crazy um but yeah 10 plus years of fucking people over that should be you know the cash money logo or the fucking slogan at this point right um so it's not hard to believe and then uh kind of petty but after that Wayne, uh, Lil Wayne was, I I think it was on like the cover of the Source magazine. Um, he was photographed wearing all bape, which is a bathing ape, which is, uh, was founded by Nego and Nego is close to Pharrell and Pharrell pretty much grew up with the clips being, um, Pusha T and Malice. Uh, and so I guess because he was kind of jacking their style, which was a thing back then, not so much anymore. Um, And then I believe it was in the same magazine that Wayne was interviewed and he was asked about the clips. And um, when he was asked about them, he had he was just passive and uh, somewhat disrespectful, saying that you know, something along the lines of, I don't need, I don't know who that is. And, um, and then in response to that, uh, Mr. Me Too came out and that was a clips record. And so it was not so subtly going at Wayne, but I don't believe he was named in it. Um, and then this is where it kind of gets blurry for me because there's quite a, a big time gap. Um, because where we pick up is at Exodus 23-1, which is a Pusha T record. Um, it dropped, what, five or six years ago? And one, one hard-ass record. I mean, goddamn, uh, still that record is, is crazy as fuck. Um, if you haven't listened to it, please do. 
Um, but so push drops Exodus twenty twenty three one, and uh, in it he goes at Drake, Wayne, and uh, and Birdman. You know, most notably saying you're signed to one dude that signed to another dude that signed to a third dude. Now that's bad luck. And uh, kind of mocking, I guess, you know, uh, just that structure of like, damn, if you're at the bottom of that cycle, you must be getting fucked over. Um, And then from there, we have uh, Drake dropping two birds, one stone if I recall correctly, and, uh, and that, of course, infamously mocking or, or going at, uh, Kid Cudi, um, and this was around the time that he was being, you know, that he checked himself into, I believe it was, like, a mental health clinic, and, uh, I think it was bad timing, not, not defending Drake, I mean, he was still, you know, the subject matter of, you know, the bars that he sent at Kid Cudi was still his, you know, you're going through your phases and shit like that, kind of um, mocking, I guess, his his mental situation. But still, I think it was just the worst timing. Uh, I think the record was, you know, already recorded and then just unfortunately came, came out around that same time. And uh, if you remember, Kid Cudi was pretty, you know, he was pretty vocal about it, telling Drake that he he was gonna see him, and and all this shit on Twitter. Um, but also, obviously, the record went at Pusha T. I think it was mainly just criticizing, uh, if I remember correctly, it was mainly just criticizing his, you know, the legitimacy of uh, his coke bars, and just the content, the subject matter. Um, which takes us to Infrared. Uh, which I initially thought was just, you know, the typical throwing jabs. I didn't really think much of it. I didn't, I I heard a lot of it before I even heard the record, but I didn't even think, you know, I didn't think it would turn into anything because it seemed like the usual, you know, just trading of the jabs and, uh, and almost kind of like the sport of rap, right? Like, it seems like that's pretty commonplace where, you know, rappers just today just throw a couple bars here and there. It's very subtle. Um, And so initially, I didn't think too much of it. But really, I mean, so Push isn't saying anything crazy. It's still just the ghostwriting allegations. But he does uh, put emphasis on the lines, uh, both... Let's see, what was it? Uh, It was written like... It was written like Nas, but it came from Quentin. And then also, um, how are you going to write your wrongs? Or write these wrongs? When you don't even write your songs, but let us all play along. And uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious who that's aimed at, right? And um, that's the thing is, I think Drake has evolved... Over over the past couple years, his energy has evolved, and he's really more defensive now. Um, in that he's just kind of like, I'm tired of it. Don't test me. You know, I'm here for a reason, and that's kind of his attitude. Really, ever since the Meek beef, right? Um, 
And with such a dominant performance in that beef, it's kind of obvious, like, you're going to be cocky about it. And, uh, but I don't fucking know. Then we get Duppy Freestyle. And, uh, I mean, first off, you rap fans on Twitter, or I shouldn't say you rap fans, the rap fans on Twitter, maybe I'm just paying attention to the wrong people, but it was obvious. So, uh, they just, you guys, like, all of those Twitter trolls, there are some fickle fucks, man. I mean, goddamn, the Duppy Freestyle just dropped. I listened to it. Don't get me wrong. It's hard as fuck. But then everyone going at Push saying that, you know, Push a who? Uh, push is done. You know, blasphemous shit. And, and with the memes, hitting him with the memes. I mean, it was fucking crazy. It was crazy how quick they switch on people. Because it was like, don't get me wrong. I guess that's, you know, that's what a good diss track does. It gets you in the moment. You're like, yeah, you know what? Fuck that guy. I don't even, you know what? I, I don't even have anything against him, but fuck that guy. And uh, and maybe that's just, you know, it's all in good fun, whatever. But it was obvious. It was crazy how quick everyone was like, fuck this dude. And it's like, Push is so, you know, he's still a good-ass rapper. Like, let's let's chill. Like, this is only one side. And, and that's the thing. I don't think it's a 1v1 comparison you know, from infrared to duppy freestyle. I think, you know, it's infrared was again just throwing jabs. And uh people say that Push was baiting Drake. Who knows? I mean that could be. If so, it worked. And uh it worked in Push's favor. Um even initially, even in just at the duppy freestyle, put what Push did worked. You know, just getting this dude, this juggernaut's attention. And uh and anytime Drake goes at you, it's an overall win, really. Well, I mean, kind of. Like, you you have all these eyes on you, which Push is very much a somewhat underground artist. You know, just kind of like rap fans, like real rap fans, like know of him. But for the most part, everyone's just now hearing of him in the Duppy Freestyle. And so... uh I mean, it was some hard shit. It was good to hear Drake back on his competitive shit, just period. Um, but even from the jump, I was like, God damn, man. I don't know, like, I, I know Push gets criticized for mainly rapping about the same shit, right? But he really raps, you know? And he that dude is, even whatever the the subject matter, I mean, it takes some good ass writing to write the way that he does. And so I was like, damn, I don't know. This is, this is very interesting. You have my attention, you know? And, uh, again, the overall was just kind of like dope. It's dope to hear, you know, Drake back in this, this mode. Um, but let's fact check the Dubby freestyle. So, cause there were some things that of course the, I'm in shock, the nerve, the audacity, uh, fucking dope initially just right off you know right off rip and the beat the fucking instrumental on this track is i I love it the violin it's so fucking somber it's like a father sitting his son down like here's what the fuck you did wrong like i don't know man it's just classy shit 
Um, but I love the instrumental on this. Uh, so, and and I thought he really came in. You know, don't get me wrong. Like that's also another thing. What was very funny, and kind of like goddamn Drake, was uh Kanye caught quite a few strays. Like if this was sent at push, Kanye Kanye really ended up getting hit. And uh, but I get it because even from the initial line, you know, he's like, well, if you rebuke me, you know, you're calling me out on all my ghostwriting shit. How how do you really feel about your mentor or your boss of good music who essentially all, all of his shit is, you know, quote unquote, collaborated on or ghostwritten? And, and I get it. It is a point of like. I think he had, it made sense to call him out on that. And and so I think that made sense to bring up Kanye into it. Kind of like, you know, like what the fuck do you really feel about this dude when you're calling me out on this little shit from what, fucking five years ago now? Um, But let's see. So I've done, I've done things for him. I thought he, he never would need. Father had to stretch his hands out and get it from me. Hard as fuck. Poor Kanye, man. I mean, goddamn, don't do it to him. Um, I pop style for 30 hours and let him repeat. Uh, let's see, though. There were there was a couple lines that I was like, I don't know about that shit. Um, so he says, I just left from over by y'all putting pen to the sheets. I get how you would feel away. You know, I mean, tired of sitting quiet and helping my enemies eat. It makes sense. Like, how the fuck am I going to be there helping you guys out? Obviously, probably not helping push out. But I'm sitting over there. Just left Wyoming. Probably helping you guys make a hit. Because melodies are kind of what I do, right? Um, And then you release the record. You know, your record. Talking shit on me. And it's like, so I get that. I get how, you know, and obviously Drake, you know, has probably, I think it's been pretty well documented. He's been helping good music for a while now. Um, There's really been no reason not to. uh, But up until now, at least. um, And especially with it being so blatant. Like, God damn, you couldn't give me a grace period? Like, maybe, maybe drop that shit on, you know, just a Lucy, just a Lucy single after the album or some shit. Really right after I left, though. Um, like, shit is disrespectful. And, uh, <clears throat> let's see, what else? Um, y'all are the spitting image of what whatever jealousy breeds. Oh, so must have had your infrared wrong. Now you're heading the beam. Y'all the spitting image of whatever jealousy breeds. Um... But this is the thing. You're not even top five as far as your label talent goes. Uh, See, it doesn't check out. It does not check out. I mean, who does good music even have that would be considered music talent? I mean, don't get me wrong. The the whole team has talent. But who more talented than Push? I mean, maybe, you know, obviously Kanye, if you're just talking about talent in general. And then it's got to be Push. I mean, who the fuck? I, we haven't really seen what Tiana has. Uh, 
I mean, I don't I don't even think Cuddy, I think he's just affiliated. I don't even think he's still signed. Um, who are we talking? Designer? Oh, are we talking designer? Like, bro, like I mean, designer seems dope, but he's not. I mean, label talent, like, come on. Come on, dude. So, yeah, I mean, he's top two. And uh, so shit just doesn't check out. And that's the thing. It's lines like this that we're like, I mean, it sounds dope. And it sounds super disrespectful. And, you know, it's dope in a diss record. But does it hold up? Um, that one, definitely not. That stood out. That, that, that shit stood out the first time I listened to it. Um, you send shots where I got to challenge those. But I bring Calicos to the Alamo fire shit for sure. Uh, just the fucking enunciation. I mean, shit sounds amazing. Um, but this was the thing. This is where Kanye got another stray. Um, I can never have a Virgil in my circle and hold him back because he makes me nervous. I want to see all my brothers flourish to the higher purpose. You dudes, leeches, and serpents. That shit is crazy. Um... Because if you watch the Charlemagne interview, now mind you, Ye doesn't speak ill on on Virgil, but he doesn't exactly seem, you know, enthusiastic about this monumental fucking signing to a, a major fashion house. That shit is crazy, like groundbreaking shit for Virgil, Virgil coming from the private, the fucking Pyrex printed hoodies. You know, the fucking graphic t-shirts that everyone said were overpriced and uninspired? Like that Virgil? Oh, that Virgil? Now the head of fucking Louis Vuitton? Like, you know, you would imagine, I'm just saying, uh, for sure a little extra, but you would imagine if that's really your friend like that. You know, I mean, we saw Kanye, Virgil, Don C, Jasper, since the jump, you know, this whole crew, and for your dude to get onto something like that, I would think you would be a little more enthused, um, but I don't know, I do think Kanye's a little jealous, uh, so, and, and it's kind of, it makes sense, I mean, that seems like that would be more Kanye's path from the way that he talks, you know, and, and also, it makes him look bad, someone mentioned this, I forget, in what, uh, I think it was a radio station it might have been hot 97 um one of them <clears throat> they mentioned that you know kanye's over here for the past what fucking five years we've heard about the struggle making it in the fashion industry you know houseway and uh saying that you need this major backing to make any sort of worthwhile fashion company um, or, or clothing company. And then Virgil goes and starts from screen-printed hoodies, screen-printed T-shirts, and, uh, yeah, now that dude's at LV. So tell me again how hard that shit was to do. You know, it just kind of makes your argument look bad, especially when it's, like, the fucking you know, the podium you've been standing on for the past, you know, some years of your life. Yeah, like, uh, fucking five years of your life. Um, so, yeah, definitely, I, I could see how you would be sour, but if that's really your, your your friend, your homie, like, I don't see how that could be a negative, you know? 
Um, so the line is very fucking powerful. M- maybe the most powerful line in this shit. Uh, also, just the way it's written. I mean, goddamn. Um, all right, let's see. Your brother said it was your cousin, then him, then you. So you don't rap what you did. You just rap what you knew. Um, there's no malice in your heart. You're an approachable dude. <clears throat> I mean, I think this this shit is along the same accusations that have been made. Just how with Drake, the ghostwriting rumors, this shit is kind of old. You know, with Push, I mean, the coke writing, you know, discrediting the coke writing. It's, it's That shit's kind of old. Like, we get it. You've been hitting them on the same point for the past fucking... What? However, five five years that you guys have had beef? Whatever. And you're still arguing the same point? I get it. Because it's mainly all he raps about. Um, But... I don't know. I mean, it's tired. You know? And that part... That, that portion of this disc record... It just seems uninspired and, and just like, yeah, we heard that. Um, but let's see. Um, no malice in your heart, you're an approachable dude. Uh, man, you might have sold to college kids in Nike for Nikes and Mercedes, but you act like you sold drugs for SWR in the 80s again. Um, I had a microphone of yours, but then the signature faded. I think that pretty much resembles what's been happening lately. Um... It's a pertinent line, very visual, and uh, and I like that it's showing that duality, like Drake's like acknowledging, like I used to idolize you, and you know, it's so much so that I would buy your fucking microphone, your signed microphone, and now, you know, your shit's fading, like you're fading, um, but really, really is he fading? I don't think so. I think Push is more relevant and rapping as well as he's ever rapped. And and that's pretty obvious to me. So again, the line sounds good. I like that duality of it. Um, and that's always what Drake's been good about is that, you know, admitting, like just approaching with the honesty, but then hitting you with, you know, what would be a harsh truth. But here, I don't think that last part, it doesn't hit nearly as hard because it's just not true. Um, by most accounts, at least it's subjective, but you know, how the fuck is he fading? Um, let's see, uh, please believe your demise will be televised. Um, as for Q, man, I changed his life a couple times. I like that he acknowledges this. Like, I see that you always bring this shit up. So let me acknowledge it. I helped him out. Um, and then... Whoever supposedly making my whoever supposedly making me hits, but they ain't got no hits. Sound like they need me. Uh, that's a huge line. That's uh, you know, cause how could you argue that? It kind of kills the shit unless he's unless he's you know lying about his earlier line that he's not holding back dudes like Kanye, you know, supposedly held back Virgil, and and maybe he's holding back Quentin with some sort of contract saying okay, well. You know, just dwarfing his career. I don't know. But when you're looking at it from the surface, it's like, yeah, you're right. I mean, if this dude's helping you so much, where the fuck are his hits? You know, because they're, they're plentiful in your career. So, um, huge line. Huge. Let's see. Uh, I think that was about it. But 
Um, my hooks did it. My lyrics did it. I really shouldn't have given you none of my time because you're older than the dude. You're running behind. Um, yeah, Pusher's old. You know, he's up there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, hitting a dude on age, I get it. I, but not really, I don't know. I mean, it's it's disrespectful, yeah. But uh, I don't think anyone really cares much about Pusher's age. They're just there for the coke raps dude um if he were trying to make you know hits or he were trying to cater to mainstream then you might have some shit uh but push is comfortable doing exactly what the fuck he's done clearly there's a demographic and i don't think they give a fuck about his age because that's the glory days you know selling selling what he did uh moving the way he did and and all of that street affiliation shit so um I don't know. It's an okay bar. And then let's see. Uh, look, holla at me when you multi-million. I mean, flashing the money is just not amusing anymore. Um. Okay, here's the thing. This is a very pertinent line. Pertinent to the whole beef. I told you to keep playing with my name, and I'm going to let it ring on you like Virginia Williams. Um. So a throwaway line when you look at it. You know, when I heard it, he, he enunciates, like, it's, it's very clear when he says Virginia Williams. But me, and maybe it was just, I was passively listening. I was like, who the fuck is that? I, I, I could give a shit less who Virginia Williams is. You know, I, like, it probably relates. Maybe it's some fucking tennis, you know, player that I don't fucking know. Um, or just some shit that was over my head. I didn't think much about it. And plus, so, and then once you realize it's Push's fiance, um, I guess it's kind of foul by street terms, but I never understood that. Because look at the bar. And I'm going to let it ring on you like Virginia Williams. So, okay, he's going to let it ring on you, you know, send shots, whatever. Um, you know, like your fiance, she put a ring on you. It's a mediocre bar at best. And... All to bring up this dude's name. Now, mind you, it is at the end of the song, so I'm maybe it's just for, you know, it's it's not for the impact of the bar. It's mainly to signal to push, like, hey, I know shit about you, so chill. And uh, I don't know. I mean, what a fucking throwaway line to mention, you know, dude's fiance's name in. Um. But yeah, I mean, the the sparked the whole shit because we'll get into it. But apparently, that's you know street by street terms. If you bring up uh, children or your girl or a dude's family, then it's it's all bets are off. And uh, so that was the bar that did it. Um, so a lot to risk on a throwaway bar. But again, maybe that wasn't the the reason. You know, maybe he was just sending a signal. Um, but then, pretty hard shit. He finishes with, I told you, I told Weezy and Baby, I'm a dunnin' for you. Tell Ye we got an invoice coming to you, considering that we just sold another 20 for you. I got chills when I heard that shit, because that shit is one of the heaviest hitting bars 
you know, in the whole record. I mean, it's obviously it's so true. If you're battling with Drake, he's bringing you relevance. He's bringing you sales. Um, and just the way that he delivers it. So goddamn cold. I mean, so that's, that's the end of that. That's the, that's my interpretation of the Duppy freestyle. And then we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. You know, uh, Push is dead. DOA. Uh, MIA. He doesn't have shit to respond. And uh, Drake did it again, right? And then I don't remember how many days later. But it was a couple. I would say three or four. Um, we waited. And, uh, well, hold up. So, Push drops infrared on that Friday, or rather drops Daytona, um, that Friday, the internet gets, you know, gets a hold of the last record, infrared, that's really all they, they attach to, um, on really one of the top records of the year so far. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've replayed that record, um, but phenomenal record. But anyways, and then... Not even 24 hours later, uh, Drake responds, you know, uh, with Duppy Freestyle. And it was impressive initially, but like Charlemagne mentioned, you know, him being a journalist, a interviewer, uh, a dude in the industry, he had a, a copy, I believe, a week ahead of, of Daytona. And he thinks it's, you know, he mentioned it's hard to believe that Drake didn't have, you know, access to this. So, he probably already knew, was waiting for it to drop, and then once it drops, you know, all the hype is on that, and then it immediately shifts to Duppy Freestyle, and so all the attention is taken off a push that was all over him, and now it's all on Duppy, which is smart, very strategic, um, but he's right, he probably did have some time to write that, which I guess lessens the value of Duppy, um, but it's dope nonetheless. And remember, at this time, there was no adding on. It was just pushes done. So we wait three, four days. Um, and then we get the story of adding on. Or Adi, Adi, Adi non is what I was saying. Adi, Adi on. Adidon. One of those. Um. And this had to be one of the most strategic, strategically savage dish records um, ever. I mean, so goddamn well executed by Push. Whether you think it was too far or not, you know, I've, I've thrown this debate around and I'm going to talk about it right now. But I mean, initially... And and when you think about it, so from the cover art, Drake in blackface. Now, mind you, when I first heard this, I I didn't think much of it. I, I saw the cover, but I was like, okay, that's, you know, it's some dude in blackface. And this is likely alluding to the content, you know, Push is going to go in on, you know, Drake identifying as a black man, but being, you know, somewhat conflicted or just, just going at Drake's blackness, right? Um, I didn't think too much of it, but then when you look closer, it's like, oh, this is, this is goddamn Drake, and then from there, I went to Photoshop, like most people, I think, and then Push was quick to clear it up on the internet, saying that he's not an internet baby, 
and that it's a real photo. And that's huge. Because in the interviews following, he mentions the blackface photo a lot. And I have a feeling that, you know, he he might have known. And I actually, I would be willing to say, I think he did know, you know, the significance. Or not rather, not the significance, but the uh, just the reasoning behind the photo. You know, that it, it appeared terrible. But, um... You know, he, he probably knew, okay, this is this is what the photo shoot was for, you know, being the two black the two black guys clothing, the Jim Crow collection. It's a commentary on uh, you know, the the treatment of um black actors in America. And uh well rather not in America, this was in Canada, so I guess just you know, the the treatment of black actors, period. But um I have a feeling he knew. I mean, he knew a lot of shit. I think he knew that too. But even if he did, I think it's very smart. He marches around like, I don't know what the fuck that's about. Before I respond, I'm going to need to see an answer for why Drake is in blackface. Because who are you really? You know, when you're willing to do that and, uh, you know, you clearly don't take pride or, or you're you're clearly conflicted as a black man to think that that's okay and so on and so forth. He really sells the, the outrage. And uh, I think he was really trying to spark that fire in today's outrage, outrage culture. And uh, it's brilliant in, in that regard. And uh, putting all the focus and emphasis on the cover. And, and it's lyrically packed. I mean, we all know this by now. But I think that was super smart to go in and be like, I don't know about you guys, I'm outraged, I think you, you should probably be outraged, because this is not okay, and, uh, and then, you know, come to find out, Drake releases a statement, but that'll come, so let's, let's fact check the, uh, the story of Adinan, I mean, and the story of Adinan, you hear that initially, I was like, I don't know what the fuck that, I honestly thought it was like a biblical reference, and I don't think I'm too off thinking that, because, you know, um, what was it, uh, Exodus 23.1, you know, I didn't know too much about what that was, I knew it was, you know, a biblical reference, but I was like, I kind of assumed the same with this, I was like, okay, it was probably a Bible story that I didn't hear much about, and maybe it was, like, you know, some dude that was conflicted, or, you know, whatever, it's gonna somehow pertain to Drake, that's all I knew, um, and then you go into it, so, okay, it's about to be a surgical summer, um, let's see. I know we're going to cut the heads off these snakes, right? Watch the body drop. I knew I was in for some shit. Watch the body drop gave me chills. Um, so this is powerful. Drug dealing aside, ghost riding aside, let's have a heart to heart about your pride. So essentially saying, you know, let's, let's put aside all the shit that we've established. You've questioned my drug dealing past and and my drug dealing credentials and I've questioned your ghostwriting, you know, your writing ability. So let's put that aside. That's done. And I like that. That's smart. And then to go, it's so strategic, man. I mean, I think that's what he means when he, he's talking about surgical. Um because you go at a man's character, right? And you're just like, fuck, I mean, let's have a heart to heart about your pride. So, 
Even though you're multi, I see that your soul don't look alive. The, end, the M's count different when baby divide, divides the pie. Again, going at the label issues, saying that, you know, your numbers are inflated. You're, uh, you know, you're not making what you say you're making because that dude's eating off of you. And that's powerful because if there's truth to it, it's got to still hurt. And, and that's something that still baffles me to this day. I mean, I guess Drake's loyalty to, you know, uh, to Birdman is comes from not wanting issues with his label but it still baffles me if you know that this dude's you know troubling your mentor Wayne the way that he is and he has that power over you how is it not an issue and maybe he's just waiting for the contract to be up and we'll hear that album in a couple years I don't know but um it's interesting and uh so your music the past few years been angry and full of lies uh, see, I don't, I, I call bullshit on that. I don't think it has been. I mean, I guess you can say that the, the angle that Drake took with, um, if you're reading this, it's too late. And, and then also he mentions in what record was it? Uh, is it more life where he has his mom talking to him? No, I think it's actually on, uh, if you're reading this, it's too late. Where, you know, he has his record to his mom. He sounds a bit paranoid. You know, I'm Game of Thrones with it, with it. Or Game of Thrones with it. Uh, pull my, pull the knife out the my back pocket and slit the throats with it. Um, It's powerful shit. And it's very, you know, it's very paranoia ridden. And then his mom, I believe that's the same, uh, the same album that he has his mom's voicemail on. Saying that, you know, you just need to you sound resentful, it's going to be okay, whatever, um, and then the classic, when, when they go high, we go low, or when they go low, we go high, whatever, shit is great, right, um, but yeah, so, it, it, in that, in that means it may have been true, that he has been, you know, a bit upset, resentful, um, but I don't know, I think it's a stretch, a stretch for sure, um, now, let's see. Dennis Graham, stay off the gram. Bitch, I'm on one. Okay, this is some other shit. He's calling out Drake's dad. You know, it's like, wait, did he just call out his goddamn dad? Um. You mentioned, yeah, so you mentioned wedding ring like it's a bad thing. Your father walked away at five, hell of a dad thing. And that's the thing is, I'll, I'll read off these lyrics, but what stands out to me after this record has, you know, I've sat with this record and really let it resonate is uh how powerful this shit is because it's not only powerful but it's so well executed and it all it has this overarching story or, or rather this questioning of drake's character that connects throughout the whole you know it's not just throwing bars at you although that's what it may seem like on the surface because you're like god damn you just bring up his dad oh shit you bring up his mom oh he has a kid what you know but, uh, I mean, it's very revealing, but even more so, he's telling this narrative of like, this is, this is why I think you are the way you are. This is why you're paranoid about, uh, a wedding ring and commitment is because your father walked away and, you know, in turn that left its mark on you. Um, marriage is something that Sandy never had Drake and to say Drake's name like that, like motherfucker, I'm talking to you. <laughs> that shit was wild disrespectful um 
Melissa, so marriage is something that Sandy never had, Drake. How you a winner, but she keep coming in last place again. I don't think that holds true in any way, really. Um, I mean, how is she coming in last place? Drake seems to have a very close bond with his mother and always have her by his side. So you're saying because she's not in a relationship or I really don't get that. Um, so how, so how you winning? She keep coming in last place. Monkey suit Dennis, you parade him. A Steve Harvey suit made him. Um, this is this is strong because it's it's like okay, you're conflicted about your blackness, and he really touches on that later, a couple bars later. But you know, so for that reason, you parade your dad around. Like, look, see, I'm black. Look at my dad. Look at my dad. There's no denying I'm black because look at him. He's black. I'm his son. I'm black. You know, like as if that's something he's so insecure about. And if it is, and this holds true, then it's powerful. And I never pictured it in that way. And who knows if it holds true. He may just, I always viewed it as a positive thing, right? And I think most people would. Having your dad in the spotlight, it's dope. It's rare. It's rare that you see this shit, especially when your dad walked away. And I actually, now thinking about this and saying it out loud, I I fucking applaud Drake. Yeah, he may have these issues, you know, these marital issues or just these underlying fears. That shit is understandable. He's human, bro. You know, and um, and that's how shit works. You know, we're scarred by our childhood in weird fucking ways. But for this dude to not only acknowledge his father that left him, but to really bring him in with open arms, I think that more so speaks about the character of the man that Drake is. So, I don't know, but the narrative that he's painting is strong, but if you really think about it, I mean, my personal perspective, I actually think it's a positive for Drake, Um, but I get it. You're trying to paint a picture. These are all your insecurities. These are where they started. Um... So confused, always felt you weren't black enough, afraid to, afraid to grow it because your fro wouldn't nap enough. Um, yeah, like again, with your black insecurities. And uh, I guess this is something that's plagued Drake for a while because, uh, you, as you would imagine, I think that is kind of the issue, being light-skinned or, or especially as light-skinned as Drake is. You know, I mean, goddamn, we hear uh, Logic talk about it every album. You know, and I know he gets shit for that. And it is a story to tell, but it is like, it, it makes sense that when it, it's so impactful on a person's life, it, you know, they are going to be conflicted. You know, they, they, it's some shit you're unsure about. And it makes sense. You, you find your identity. And just because that shit took him a little longer to find, I mean, I don't know. But if it's an insecurity, yeah, hit that shit because this is a diss record, attack someone's feelings, right? Um, let's see. So afraid to grow it because your fro wouldn't nap enough. Uh, since you name dropped my fiance, let him know who you chose as your Beyonce. So again, apparently the line that set it all off and I guess street rules apply. Um, Drake saying pushes fiance's name, Virginia Williams. And uh, I think it's petty that that because really what I think is like, Okay, Push, what would you, you know, what would this diss record look like had Drake not mentioned Virginia Williams? You know? 
like what would push have to go off of you know if it if it weren't going to be this savage and you know the the whole record is essentially him crossing these boundaries saying okay you cross this line well look at this this bar is crossing that line this bar is crossing that line oh and this bar is fucking leapfrogging that line you know so i wonder because it seems kind of i don't know uh not necessarily petty, but like if you're not going to bitch about him bringing up your fiance and saying that that crossed all the lines and you're so outraged, you know, mind you, it was a throwaway bar. He didn't, he wasn't even really saying shit about it. He didn't say you fucked your fiance. He didn't say, you know, your, your fiance cheated on you. None of that shit. No foul shit. Just kind of like, I'm going to let it ring on you. Like what? Um, so I don't know. And it's something that's interesting. Like what would this record have looked like? I almost don't believe you. You know, I almost think you're just reaching, but I get that it is something in street rules where, okay, you don't bring up, you know, uh, women or children. And so apparently Push says that that applied here and that was the line that set him off. So since you name dropped my fiance, I'm going in. Um, Sophie knows better as your baby mother cleared her up for IG, but the stench is on her. So Sophie Brissot or some shit like that. Now, mind you, she is a French uh, escort. See, this is the thing. I don't know if the porn star lines hold true because of what I've, you know, heard over the past couple of days. Um, I, I don't think she's a porn star. From my understanding, she's an escort, which some may say is just as bad, if not worse, or whatever, or is shameful you know, as is being used in this context, but I don't know, because uh, this article I read, I don't know how, uh, you know, how much, I don't even know what fucking site it was on, it was this random, I was searching it on Twitter, like, where the fuck is Drake's response, um, and I ran into this article that was, I don't know, who knows how much you can really trust, you know, whoever wrote it, it was a random ass site, but they, they were, uh, giving kind of giving the backstory, I guess, on um, Sophie, and they had mentioned that she is an escort. I believe a former dancer turned escort, and um, she's pretty popular in her field. So you know, essentially a glorified prostitute for the stars, and for people with money. And I guess there was the situation you know, uh, judging by this article or what this article is saying, there was this instance where she was knocked up and they didn't know who it was by because she fucked around with NBA players. I believe they named James Harden, uh, obviously Drake and then, uh, ASAP Rocky. Well, so where ASAP Rocky comes into this is cause supposedly that's where push got the confirmation that it is Drake's child. So Push seems adamant that they, because mind you, there were rumors, what, a couple months back of uh, this woman, you know, claiming that her child was from Drake. And, and maybe it wasn't a couple months back. No, it had to be, because I think the child was like just fucking born. I don't know. It was relatively recent, I think. And, uh, well, not recent, recent, like fucking six months plus. But, um... There were these accusations. I kind of, me personally, I shrugged it off. I do remember 
seeing them now, but I didn't think much of them because I was like, Drake, you know, being the star that he is, it makes sense. You know, women are going to go after your money, right? And, and you know, he's probably getting with plenty of women. So it's like, yeah, you're going to have a couple that are going to be like, hey, I want, I want some money. And uh, that's a perfect fucking way to do it. So I really didn't think much of it. I was like, okay, this is going to be whatever. It's probably not his. You know, she just wants a check. And uh, apparently, you know, judging by Push's word, this is, you know, it, it is his child. Um, which, which is heavy because, you know, we all know Drake. He's very, you know, he, he overthinks shit. I mean, for his bars to be as well worded as they are and just as well formulated as they are, clearly he thinks through you know, a lot of this shit, overthinks a lot of this shit, and, uh, that may be hard on him, you know, that is really, I would imagine, hard on any man, realizing that you, you were just plunged into fatherhood, and obviously for him, you know, fortunately, money is not an issue, you don't have to worry about how you're gonna take care of that child, but what about the mother, right, is she a mother that's fit for it? You know, like, how do you want to bring this child into the world or rather introduce him to the world? Or do you want to at all? Because that's also something we have to consider. Like, I, I almost respect that more that you're just trying to, you, you know, you're going to keep that behind the scenes, you know, your personal life, your, your baby mother, your child. I respect that, especially when you're the magnitude of Drake. And you could be, some people could, you know, um, they could perceive it as a negative the way that DJ Khaled, you know, waves his child around and markets him. Um, just as much as they could say that it's 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 uh, a shame the way that Drake hides his child. And um, it's, it's all about perception. But I don't know. I have respect for being a, you know, being that high profile and, and respecting your decision of if you want to keep your personal life, your personal life, and, um, to dig a layer deeper on that, um, Brendan Schaub recently was on a episode of the Big Brown Breakdown talking about how, um, what the fuck is her name, Paige Van Zandt of the UFC, um, you know, well, he was bringing her up because she recently got a tit job, but, he also mentioned that, you know, obviously that directly ties into her sex appeal and how much her fandom, you know, even lines at the signings and shit, how much that fandom dropped. He, he had said that it was cut in half from what he, you know, from what he knows just by her being, you know, overly public, I guess, um, with her relationship and just how when you have a career and you have sex appeal, um, most often, you know, it's, it's a female that has this level of sex appeal, but you keep your significant other a secret, not, not to, well, not necessarily a secret, you just don't put them out there like that, because it's marketing strategy, now, do I agree with that, I don't know, but the facts are there, if you, you know, really show off your significant other and you're not, you know, some sort of power couple or something for people to gawk at. If they're just a normal person, you're following, it, it drops and it's fascinating, but it's because, you know, from what he was explaining, 
when she doesn't parade her fiance or her boyfriend, whatever, around like that, every dude thinks he has a chance, right? Just because we're that way. We're fucking ego is a thing. And it's like, man, no, I mean, I know if I'm, I'm a little heavy right now, but if I dropped a couple pounds, you know, got a, a fresh fade, bro, you know, I look like a, with a fresh fade, like it's, it's different. Shit's different. And, uh, you know, like we just get so into our ego and shit. And it's, it's comedic, but it sells. Obviously, sex sells. Sex appeal has always sold. And I think, you know, that may seem fucking out of nowhere. Um, and it kind of is, but that's the way my mind works. And I think it directly applies to the Drake situation, where if you have a kid, you have a girl, you know, your baby mother, or if you're, you know, still with her and you two are a thing, um... I think this is a one of the unique cases where Drake has massive sex appeal. And so for you to show off your child, I mean, of course, women will be into that. But for you to show off your girl, maybe your follower count dips a little. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't directly relate. And maybe I'm more so just exposing how shallow dudes are and, uh, you know, how quick to act on an emotion. But I don't know. I think it somewhat applies. I think women are more lenient because they, you know, they're into the whole child shit and all that. But I mean, uh, it's something to think about. So it could be marketing strategy as well. So in that instance, you bringing up a child and a baby mother could have fucked up this dude's money. And even aside from that, it's his fucking privacy. So who's to say it's your business in the first place? Um, which obviously I'm rambling a fucking lot. I've had a lot on my mind. Um, so excuse me, but uh what else was i gonna get to it was kind of fucking out of nowhere that's why i was like uh i should probably explain my fucking scatterbrained thoughts um oh also you know when this whole beef you know was going down i was thinking what a disadvantage you know it's crazy how this works because all of drake's advantages being the fame the money i mean you know he could pay for information he could you know he could do i mean it's it's limitless amounts of money right and it's huge fame he can always hit you with i'm bringing you fame you little fuck like you know like you're lucky i picked you for this beef and shit like that take that narrative right but on the same token he has more business out there by far than pusha t you know the more fame you have, just the more, and especially with Drake, with the fucking, what, 10, 10 year reign that he's been at the top, of course, you're going to have some dirt. And so that is crazy how that works out because it's, it works out in Push's advantage, you know? And so there's, this is where I think Drake is severely underhanded where, you know, he was kind of that, just that giant up at the top for the longest time. And you know, we're seeing the disadvantages of that, and it's fucking fascinating, so let me get back on track a bit, get back on, um, back to the lyrics, so let's see, um, where was it, Sophie, Sophie, Sophie knows better, as your baby mother, cleaned her up for IG, but the stench is on her, supposedly they went and, you know, cleaned up her IG to make her look, I guess, more presentable, or whatever, um, and then he goes on, a baby's involved, it's deeper than rap. Uh, we talk in character, let me keep with the facts. You are hiding a child, let that boy come home. Powerful as shit. Let that boy come home. 
you're hiding a child. These are huge fucking accusations. It's so crazy. Um, this is what brings the significance to this beef regardless. I mean, this shit is just so revealing and it's fucked up, man. It really is. It's fucking mad petty. I'll get into this, but really what resonated with me was how petty push is. And in a kind of fucked up way, because it, it's on the borderline of snitching, in my opinion. And I don't think people see it as that because he's the street dude. So it's not, it's not snitching. He's just really going, he's just really fucking savage, bro. What are you talking about? You know? Um, so let's see, where were we? Uh, uh fuck. Um, Sophie, you talking character. Let me keep with the facts. You are hiding a child. Let that boy come home. So fucking clear too. Um, so you are hiding a child. Let that boy come home. Deadbeat motherfucker playing border patrol. And don't get me wrong, it sounds hard as fuck. Like deadbeat. I mean, the way they, the fucking enunciation again. Deadbeat motherfucker. Like he's just so he's so offended. He's offended, and it's like. It comes across, and in that aspect, it's very dope, but let's look at it, um, deadbeat, now Drake's a lot of things, you can call him a lot of things, you can call him soft, you can call him this, that, he's been called a lot of things, but deadbeat, now to me, you know, a deadbeat father, I guess, is just, you know, someone who doesn't acknowledge their son at all or doesn't help financially at all i would imagine if this is drake's child and the paternity test came back and uh you know and then the shit was confirmed he's gonna take care of his fucking kid and that i don't know unless push knows some shit that we don't i mean this this shit is pretty baseless and it's a very heavy claim but it sounds hard as fuck which i guess applies in a diss record right um, for sure, this is the most long-winded breakdown ever, and I've completely fucked up at making this brief, but uh, I'm, I've just been so excited by this shit. Like, you guys don't even know. Maybe now you kind of get an idea, um, but I'm going to keep going. So, Debbie, motherfucker, playing Border Patrol. Adonis is your son. So, hold on, motherfucker. You revealed this man's child's name. Not Wait, hold up. You revealed that this man has a child. Not only that, you revealed this man's child's name to the public. That shit is another level of foul. And I don't even know that I necessarily agree with that shit. Maybe it's me being soft, whatever. You know, uh, that shit's another level of fucked up, man. Especially when you're at a level. It's something I don't think many of us can understand or relate to. Because it's like when you're at a level of stardom that drake is at and you're a dude like drake that's very sentimental about shit you know this shit would mean everything you know the name of his son you're revealing that shit this dude that i'm randomly beefing with i get the fuck out of here that shit is another level of foul um so adonis is your son and he and he deserves more than an Adidas press run. That's real. So, uh, apparently, you know, you guys are probably all familiar. Uh, Adidon, right? Is it Adidon? Was supposed to be the supposed um, Adidas. The name of the Adidas line. 
uh, for Drake that has not been revealed yet. I guess now it has. And, um, and I guess the naming has to do with Adonis. It's kind of a combination of that, right? Um, initially I wondered, cause I was like, okay, Adidon could play a couple of ways. It, maybe this isn't his kid and Adidon is the Adidas Don or a formation of those words. Um, or maybe he didn't even plan to reveal the child to us. Just period. Maybe he wanted to keep it just his own personal business. And so, for example, the, the Adidas line would come out. It would be called Adidon in interviews or whatever had this uh, pusher track not released we wouldn't know anything about the kid or we would know the people who you know paid attention what the past six months or whatever they would know that there are allegations but there's you know they, they wouldn't know for sure that drake has a child so okay in the press runs you know you uh when you're being interviewed you're just like yeah adi don you know it's a combination of adidas and don and maybe he would play it off that way while knowing that personally to him it's an ode to his child um and he has every right right like uh so I don't know I mean push just blew that shit I mean that whole and this is where it, it, it's so interesting because there's so many layers to this or maybe not so many but there's a couple layers to the level of fuckery here that uh push has induced on Drake's life so I mean, if, if who knows how far along uh, Adidas was in making those tracksuits, right? Or, well, supposedly it's supposed to be tracksuits. I think that's what, who, what Pusha mentioned. Um, so who, know, who knows how far along they were in production? You know, they, they had all that shit planned out. You know, the name obviously copyrighted, all that shit, all the legal shit. They're ready to go. And it's Scorpion season, you know, this when Drake's dropping his album. So it would make sense. Uh, I think Charlemagne mentioned this. It would make sense that you would roll, you know, roll out your new clothing line along with your album. It just uh, goes hand in hand. So now, you know, now they have to backtrack. I mean, because now uh, Adidon is associated with not only this diss track, but directly associated with this character like this character of drake in blackface on the cover like that's the name i associate that with that photo or rather the photo i associate with that name because that was the first time i saw that name and it's a unique name right so that might have blew that whole shit and uh fuck man just fuck the money up um so adonis adonis is your son and he deserves more than an Adidas press run. That's real. Love that baby. Respect that girl. Forget she's a porn star. Let her be your world. So, again, got a fact check here. I don't think it... Uh, I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that she's a porn star. Um, I think she just does, like, the dancing videos. Like, the world star hip-hop type shit. And, um... I mean, they're seductive, but it's not porn, right? Uh... But while on the topic, um, in that article, they also mentioned that Sophie, she's a 
what? Just for a little more background, she's a French painter. Um, and she is married. And I guess she had married just for her, uh, what is it, her green card? But it's obviously some weird form of, well, not that open relationships are weird, but just that it's some form of this, you know, odd relationship where she still fucks around on the side and the dude that she's married to, you know, is, is he quite literally just married her so that she could have a green card and access to this country. Um, so she is not bashful about her ways. Like, you know, she just, I don't know, she handles herself in a way if, if you, you know, if her actions are any indication, um, so, I mean, shit is, which would also be like, yo, you're okay with marrying for a green card. You know, you're okay with fucking and getting knocked up and hope, looking at it as a paycheck. And, I don't know, just foul shit like the mother of your your children, dude. Like, I can see where Drake's conflicted. Uh, if this is the character that this woman's painted out to be, um, so let's see, let's continue on, we're almost done here, um, love that baby, respect that girl, forget she's a porn star, how dare you, so this shit, this shit gave me chills when I first listened to it, this is where I feel like push gets like demonic with the shit, like it's very dark, demonic and like uh what is it masochistic like just like uh I don't for sure I don't think that's the name um just like bring on like I want all of the pain like I want all of what you have like just savage shit where he's he so he says how dare you put yay in my verses I'm selfish I want all of the curses I'm pre-booking the churches me verses me versus three hearses. If we go to hell, it'll be worth it. If we all go to hell, it'll be worth it. That shit is crazy. So it's like mutually assured destruction. I'm cool with that. Try and end my career. Because if you do, we're all going. You know, that type of shit. Just like fucking suicide mentality or, or like, you know, kamikaze mentality shit. Um. Yeah, that had to be probably, in, in my opinion, those were the hardest bars on the track. Um, just because of what it represents, it's like fucking bring it on. If we all go, you know, we all go to hell. I'm taking you with me. Um, and it'll be worth it. That's fucking crazy. Uh, and then we get into the foul territory. So, uh, but first, already aligned with already aligned with the greats, and on that same note, um, the only ones I chase are two ghosts. That's dope. You know, because uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I for sure wouldn't say that he's up there with Pac and Big, but it's a dope line. Um, still giving you classics. That's the only thing that dates me. I thought that was a dope, a dope way to address the uh, you know, you're older than the dude that you're running behind. Um, and then the foul territory. So OVO forty hunched over like he's eighty. Tick tick tick. How much time he got? That man is sick, sick, sick. And if you guys are unaware, uh, OVO 40, Drake's producer, he's like a ball dude. Uh, you always see him, you know, hunched over the boards. Uh, he's a, he, 
he has uh what is it ms multiple multiple sclerosis yeah multiple sclerosis and um and it's this disease that breaks down your nervous system i believe or your body just attacks its own nervous system and you can delay it uh with medication and treatment but for the most part it is uh you know it's a death sentence so there's real life in this and the thing that stood out to me is you bringing up my friend that's dying and obviously drake and 40 have a very close relationship a lot like with drake and his mother you know he you always see 40 with drake um and and drake's a sensitive dude so you you attack you you bring up to me i'm trying to think from drake's perspective that fucks me up you're bringing up to me oh yeah and your friend is dying so deal with that but let me put that in your mind your friend's dying on top of everything that i just said you know career threatening or career damaging shit um your friend's dying so just yeah remember that and uh it's it's fucked up man so how much time you got that man is six 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 uh i got the devil flow six 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 and to put the OVO six drop, that shit is foul. But it was uh, it was dope as fuck. I thought I definite points to push for that shit. Um, surgical summer with it. Snip, snip, snip. Now I've heard rumors, and this is Twitter speculation. So you know it's really has no base at all, no value. But um, I've heard rumors that the surgical summer shit. And the, uh, you know, snip, snip, snip and shit like that is uh, supposed to allude to more dirt that Push has on Drake. And supposedly put uh, Drake got a surgery for for your abdomen, like for, for abs. So I don't know if it was some sort of implants. I know they have that. It's it's I think it's rare, but I, I, I know that, that it exists. Or if he just had, like, you know, fat removed, you know, because maybe that's where it built up on him. I don't know. Um, and it's Twitter speculation, but it's interesting, and I felt like it was worth mentioning. And and it applies, like, okay, that would, like, you're talking about snip, 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 surgical summer, and it's shit that only Drake knows. So it's like, oh, and by the way, you know, kind of almost alluding to the next diss track, like, by the way, you're going to see this on the next diss track if you come back at me, you know, surgical summer, motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, so who knows? I mean, it's just rumors, but it could be. And that shit is crazy. Like, if, you, if you're alluding to that shit, talking one-to-one to Drake, pretty much, like, look at this. This is the shit I have on you. Um, and who knows what else Push has on him? Because Push has mentioned in interviews, you know, that, he he's gonna and he mentions at the end of the track so uh and you don't really want it with him surgical summer volume one we're gonna take this slow we're just gonna peel it back layer by layer so alluding to you know he clearly has more more in the chamber and uh i don't know man i i think again drake is he's at a disadvantage in that he's in that he is so famous you know, because there probably is a lot of shit on Drake out there. And, um, 
I don't know. I just, uh, it's good. The beef in general is good. I'm, I'm very conflicted, uh, with this whole beef though, because for example, I, I've always fucked with push, not, not heavy, but more, more heavier recently, but I've always fucked with him and I've known that he's, you know, he's always been talented to me. And, um, and even if I don't get all the Coke bar references, I mean, when I do, when something does click, it's, it's clever as fuck. And it's part of why I love listening to music and, and rap in specific, but, um, you know, and then we get into obviously Drake, you know, Drake, and especially lately, he's been super influential and motivational to me because, uh, just the shit, I don't know, like, the shit, he's, he's been around for so long, and so consistent, and that work ethic, and the empire that he's built, um, I don't know, yeah, he's a huge inspiration, and I've always been a fan, and then, uh, and then Kanye, Kanye being involved, you know, catching a couple strays, and we do look at Kanye differently, I guess, because he's a producer, so we don't criticize him for ghostwriting or collaborating. And mind you, when he does mention um, Father Had to Stretch His Hands Out and Get It From Me, I I pop style for 30 hours and let him repeat. Mind you, Kanye acknowledged that in a tweet back around the time that they did work on those songs. So he mentioned, you know, he, he thanked Drake publicly. So that's good on Kanye. I think it's a show on his character, the man that he is. He's, uh, you know, not... He's very unabashed with it, you know, he, he just puts it out there like, you know, yeah, thank thank you to this dude, and he's always been that way, so it's, it's commendable, but it is interesting, because we never, I guess it's because I, me personally, I don't know why everyone, but me personally, I've never seen Kanye really as lyrical, so for him not to write completely his own raps, like, he has funny bars here and there, and then he might have a real bar, here and there, but it's, it's not consistent, it's not like a a Kendrick track, or, you know, it's not substantive, like a Cole track, where he's gonna give you a story or a narrative on something that's currently happening, um, so the story of Adinan drops, the internet collectively loses its shit, really in three regards, so the first being the outrage at the blackface, and really people just saying that it needs to be explained, um, which I really didn't understand. I mean, forgive my ignorance, but I mean, being a, you know, with Drake being a black dude, I figured it was somewhat like the N-word. Like if you're whatever percent black, you're, you're good. Not, don't get me wrong. I know black people, you know, black dudes aren't walking around in blackface or whatever, but I just didn't really get the initial overall outrage. Like I'm sure there's an explanation. It was shocking though. And obviously that, that is what the internet really took and ran with. Um, so there was the blackface outrage. Of course, the, the predominant one was the, uh, you know, the reveal of a child, of his child. And then the third one being really porn sites just blowing up, their search engines blowing up because, uh, you know, searching Sophie Brousseau or whatever her name is. Um, and my initial interpretation of it was like oh shit drake needs to go on damage control you know he needs to it's like there's all these holes in your boat now and you just have to focus on plugging the biggest holes first and in my mind 
that was the blackface one. You know, the, the blackface where he, the blackface point, you know, the album art. And so we waited, what, a day? And then we got a, a statement from Drake. That being on, I think it was like his Instagram stories. And that reads, I know everyone is enjoying the circus, which for sure he kind of initiated, uh, just to be clear. But, um, but I want to clarify this image in question. Uh, this, this was not from a clothing, this was, this was not from a clothing brand shoot or my music career. This picture is from 2007, a time in my life where I was an actor and I was working on a project that was about young black actors struggling to get roles, being stereotyped and typecast. Uh, the photos represented how African Americans were once wrongfully portrayed in entertainment. Me and my best friend at the time, Mazin Elsa Dig, uh, for sure foreign as fuck, uh, who's also an actor from Sudan, were, were attempting to use our voice to bring awareness to the issues we dealt with all the time as black actors at auditions. This was to highlight and raise our frustrations with not always getting a fair chance in the industry and to not and to make a point that the and to make a point that the struggle for black actors had not changed much. Um so people immediately took this as he's releasing a statement that in itself is an L. Um or also, you know, he's releasing a statement that is, you know, it's the softest shit. He's not going to respond. Or I also saw um, some people saying he's releasing a statement. So it's getting to him. It's really fucking with him. Um, I didn't really see it as that. I mean, I get it. I'm, he, I guess he could have addressed it in, in the response track. But um, again, I just, I just kind of saw it as damage control. Like, hey, just to clear this shit up, you know, especially with outrage culture, you know, you, you kind of have to jump on that before anyone runs with it. Because, again, the Internet strips all context, all of that shit. And they just, you know, who would have known how long it would have been before we see, you know, like a group trying to get him taken from Spotify or just some sort of action. That's what people fucking thrive on. Right. And so I kind of get it. Like, I, I understand it in that regard. Um but I mean, goddamn, it just shows the effectiveness of Pusha's track. You know, now Drake is in damage control. He's got to fucking stop all of this shit before he can even focus on a, you know, some sort of response. And plus, if he gets Drake in his feelings, then it just makes you even more vulnerable when you, you know, regardless, like whether it's on a track or just in general, you might act out of anger and that's never good. So, um, in that regard, fucking pushes track, just tore shit up. And then, so Drake releases a statement. And then, where were we? Uh, I believe not long after that, Kanye released his, uh, or he posted a tweet. Let me see. Uh, essentially was just calling off the beef, was, which I didn't know if he had that. I was like, for sure, chill, Kanye. You know, you don't have that right. We're we're entertained right now and it's fucked up and it's selfish but it's true but um yeah he said i've never been about beef i'm about love lines were crossed and it's not good for anyone so this is dead now and uh i don't know i, I would imagine there are theories that drake got in contact with kanye and told him hey you gotta 
this is the next move. You got to say this shit. Let me save, you know, save face or whatever. Um, but then not long after, I think it was a couple days after Kanye called the beef off. Then we have this guy, Jay Prince, uh, doing a press run for his, uh, his new book, Respect, which immediately I was suspect at because I was like, oh, this dude's conveniently selling a book too. Like, and he's the one calling off the beef. Um, but first let's go through who is, uh, Jay Prince. So his full name, James Prince. Uh, let me rattle off the Wikipedia real quick. So James Prince, also known as Jay Prince, is the CEO of Houston-based Rap-A-Lot Records and boxing manager to the sport's top talents such as Andre Ward and previously Floyd Mayweather Jr. Um, Prince, who for 21 years has worked to promote Houston's rap scene and rap artists, is now working to promote underprivileged neighborhoods and communities. He recently broke ground on a community center he is building in his old Fifth Ward neighborhood that will help young children, teens, and adults to excel more in their lives. Um, and then it goes on to talk about his charity work, which is beautiful, but it's not what I'm here for. Um, on June 7th, 2010, Jay Prince was honored alongside Master P, Jermaine Dupree, Timbaland, and Slick Rick at the VH1 7th Annual Hip Hop Honors Awards for both his creative contributions and his philanthropic ventures. On February 13th, 2015, uh, Jay released the, the diss track Courtesy Call in response to recent drama involving Young Money artist Drake on the track he disses Diddy and Birdman. So I had no knowledge of not only the track, but of who Jay Prince is in general. And um, and so if, if recent interviews are any indication, he's also very thorough in in the streets like he's very credentialed in that field um and i believe he was mentioning that he's the one who found drake and then put wayne onto drake and i don't fully know how that works out how that you know worked out as far as a deal or whatever um or the eventual deal that drake would get but uh yeah he from my understanding he was involved in that so that's where we're at today well, hold up. So real quick, Kanye, when Kanye posted that tweet, or even before Kanye posted the tweet, calling, you know, quote unquote, calling off the beef, um, Pusha had posted on Twitter saying, you got a, you got 100K floating around for info. Can't no amount of money create skeletons that don't exist. Hashtag I'm upset. Um, who knows if this is true? I would imagine if you're Drake it it not only is true, but it's smart, right? When you have all the money in the world and your the you know the livelihood of your career or of your name is on the line, you're gonna you're gonna pay for information. You know you're gonna search and get whatever dirt you can. Um, but it it is kind of bizarre because I would have thought Drake would have been prepared. You know, with the way he he approached the Meek Mill beef, I would have thought for sure he would have had an extra, you know, another follow up record. But maybe maybe pushes was just a step further than he thought it was going to be, which kind of we all didn't expect. And then he was like, OK, I got to go and, you know, find some shit. Um, but I don't know. I was worried, man. I had it went through phases. I was like, OK, Drake's going to come back. It's going to take a week. And but he's for sure going to come back. And he's going to be in rare form. We're going to see him rapping like we've never seen him rap before. Because um, he's just, you know, this shit is his livelihood. This is 
push is a formidable opponent. Like you didn't just, you know, push another Meek Mill that's that's not gonna do shit. Um, so I don't know. I went through that. I was like, he's definitely gonna come back. And then as time went on, I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe especially when I heard this, which is probably the purpose of it. I was like, damn, maybe he is hurting for information. And, you know, again, that was constantly, or I think that's what put the thought in my mind where, you know, that's when I became aware of how, um, how at the disadvantage that Drake is at being as famous as he is. And then maybe it would be hard to find dirt on Pusha T because he's been, you know, lesser known, certainly lesser known than Drake. Um, so I don't know. So that happened. The push T tweeted that shit out. And then Kanye tweeted the end of the beef and uh, Push retweeted that. So if that's any indication, um, I don't know, maybe maybe the shit is over. But now where we're at is uh, Jay Prince doing his rounds, you know, uh, promoting his book, but also seeding out information on the uh, the beef and the end of it. So... He started off with saying something along the lines of, I talked to Drake and made an OG call and had to tell him that we we don't get in the, the pig pen with pigs because uh, pigs turn into hogs and hogs eventually get slaughtered. For sure, I didn't know what that meant. Um, I get, okay, we, get, we don't get in the pig pen because they're going to sling mud, we're going to sling mud, and it's all going to end up a fucking mess, right? Um... But the slaughter part, you know, turning the hogs and get slaughtered, I didn't know what that meant at first. How I interpret it now is, um, I guess, just as the beef grows, you know, the louder one will eventually, like, the shit will boil over into the streets. And what was once a rat beef or just on on record is now uh, could could cost you your life, right? Um, cause shit can get real. And so he mentioned that shit, uh, that he called Drake, called the beef off, whatever. Um, and to a skeptic, you can really see that as, I don't know, man, like maybe he was like, okay, you know, Drake was like, fuck, you gotta, you know, I gotta save face. You gotta go out there, you know, um, and just tell them that you called the shit off. You're an OG, you're thorough in the streets, you know, you have a lot of, you know, clout in the streets, if you will, and uh, so people will respect that, and it'll save me some face, because I didn't know this guy was willing to go this far, or maybe it's genuine, and Drake is like, you know, he, he does have that track ready, because um, this is what Jay Prince recently said, that he had, not only did he hear Drake's next track that was going to release, um, but upon hearing it, he decided that it was going to be damaging to Kanye's livelihood and it was going to be bad for Pusha T. Now, I don't know what to interpret from that, you know, because it's like clearly there's a track and that is exciting. But that kind of. I don't know, man, that has me feeling like. I don't want like so it's so easy, it's, it's obviously it's entertaining, right? I'm the most excited about, you know, music and this rap beef that I'm that I've then I've been in a while. But um when you're talking about someone else's career and 
their livelihood and the safety of people around them, you know, possibly being at risk, that's when it's like we need to, you know, they they don't need to please us, but yet we're so entertained that we're like, no, fuck that. You know, you I don't I don't give a fuck what's at risk for you. Um I'm entertained, so if it costs, you know, if, if blood spills, then so be it. I'm I'm entertained right now and don't stop that. You know, so maybe it is inherently selfish. Um, I don't know. But the J Prince thing, you know, J Prince going around talking about he had to call the beef off. It was going to escalate too, you know, from there it was going to escalate too quickly. I don't know, man. Um, it is quite an anticlimactic ending. I'll say that. Um, but the optics are undeniably bad, right? Because it's like you have this dude running around doing radio interviews for you, calling, you know, saying that he called the beef off. And, uh, Damn, man, I don't know. I mean, Push clearly won if this is where it ends. Um, so where does Drake go from here, though? I've been thinking about this. I really don't know. I mean, the best I can come up with is one of two routes. So either he he doesn't address it until the album releases. And then once the album releases, you know, there is either a devoted track just addressing it, not going back at push, but just addressing it, or it's scattered amongst, you know, a couple tracks, or he comes with, you know, an, another record, but instead of attacking push, he's just kind of defending all of the allegations, or just all of the shit that was thrown at him, um, you know, kind of in a softer sense, like, really, in, in the Drake way, talk about how you weren't ready to you know, reveal to the world that you had a son, you were still coping with it, you know, kind of just becoming a father, and, and, you know, in that super relatable, understandable Drake way, and then I think he could somewhat save face, don't get me wrong, people are going to call it soft regardless, people are going to say he took an L regardless, but I really don't know, other than those two, where Drake goes from here, um, if that record was going to escalate shit, that much who's to say we'll never know probably but um if that record was that damaging to Kanye and push um and and that's also what's interesting why Kanye I mean I was thinking about that and I guess maybe maybe he's going back at Kanye which for sure it's not even Kanye's beef so that kind of already looks somewhat bad on Drake's part but um maybe it's because the what really fucked with Drake was what fucked his money up, and, and this is all in theory, um, and what really fucked his money up was the revealing of Adidon right before the release, right, um, and, and maybe he, the assumption could be made that Push is, you know, he got that information from Kanye, because don't get me wrong, Push is signed by Adidas, but, um, obviously Kanye is damn near, you know, a company partner, like, he's huge within Adidas, I mean, he's helped Adidas so much, um, so I don't know, maybe that could be why he goes at Kanye, otherwise, I really couldn't see why, unless there's shit we don't know behind the scenes, you know, words that were exchanged, or, you know, just Kanye, you know, with, I don't think it could be business, it couldn't be bad business, if anything, I always hear that Kanye is too generous, you know, constantly crediting everyone, 
and uh you know and and when most people are just greedy about that shit so i don't think it's related to bad business but i don't know that that was interesting to me that piqued my interest when he said that it was going to be it was going to damage Kanye's livelihood and his i believe he said his life or his relationship or something so i don't know if he has you know info on him cheating or what um but yeah so that's where we're at let's see what are my overall thoughts on the beef um obviously push one in my eyes uh duppy was phenomenal i really well not not phenomenal i really fucked with it though again the violin instrumental and drake just kind of sitting him down was uh, a fire you know atmosphere that the track had but um the story of adinan was so well executed and will go down as one of the top you know beef records or, or disc records i guess um i do think he kind of jumped the line like push kind of jumped the line with the uh with making fun of 40 i mean that shit is pretty fucked up but if street rules apply apparently you know he could let everything fly because drake mentioned virginia williams so i don't know and and that's some shit that i don't really buy like i get it and i and you know i know okay you don't mention women and children whatever but um i think context also matters and uh and he, it was just a throwaway line. He didn't, again, he didn't say anything bad about Virginia Williams. He didn't say that he did anything with Virginia Williams. He didn't say Virginia Williams did anything with another dude or anyone else. So for him just to say her name, it seems like a stretch. But, um, and, and then also for for Push to interpret that or, or rather internalize it and then come with, okay, I'm going to talk shit about your father. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk shit about your mother. I'm going to talk about your child that no one knows about and your baby mother. And then, oh, and 40. You know, he's dying, by the way. It, it just seemed maybe Push could have left out the, uh, you know, okay, so say he goes at Drake's father, his mother, you know, because street rules apply, remember? So say he goes at his father, his mother, his girl, and reveals the child, but then saves the adidas line or or like the information on the adidas the his potential or upcoming adidas line save that for the next track you know because that in my mind the closer it gets to the release which is closer to scorpion you know the the album release um the more damaging it would be so say it was two weeks out that we heard that you know the adina uh, yeah the adinan uh adidas line then they have to step back at the literally the fucking last moment you know given that it would release you know alongside the album um i don't know yeah so either way it's all hypothetical we'll never know and uh push did what he did because he was triggered by you know what drake said and uh overall i would say it's phenomenal for hip-hop i mean it's good to see drake challenged it really is because he is so dominant and by Push, an opponent that not many people know about, you know, um, but a phenomenal artist. So, I mean, who who knows where it goes from here? I don't think it's fully over. Again, I mean, Drake needs to respond in some sense. Now, by no means am I saying a record. I think that's kind of, or a diss record. I think that's kind of out of, you know, that's definitely not happening now. Um, 
but there will be something i feel like it's not just going to be left here and and acted like it never happened um do i think drake's sales will hurt because of it no not at all i think it will only help the sales well help them I don't know if I would say that. I think they'll just be what they were going to be, which is probably record-setting numbers. So what the fuck does it matter at that point, I guess, right? Um, actually, it would help him, especially if he doesn't respond till the album. Because um, everyone's going to be trying to see, okay, what the fuck does he say on this? How does he address it? Does he reveal his child to us? Um, you know, so on and so forth. So I don't know. Um, but exciting times. Fuck, man. Uh, so with that being said, that kind of wraps up the, my, <laughs> for sure the fucking longest winded, uh, explanation of the beef or kind of my interpretation of everything that went on in it. Um, but again, I wanted to be thorough. Oh, this shit was so exciting to me. So, um, I hope I expressed that. I think I did, uh, an hour or so says that I did, but, um, now let's get into, the yay record so first off i want to start off with explaining to you guys the prestige theory if you're unfamiliar because this plays a huge part in um in just how i am hearing the yay record or how i'm interpreting it or how it's influencing my opinion on it so the Kanye West prestige theory was something I originally read an article about, but it was, I believe, originally conceptualized by um, Snowcone on Twitter. This is the dude who put all of the evidence and theories all together and in, into one, what is it, Twitter thread. Um, but what's, this, this shit had me so excited. This was probably like a month out. Like maybe, yeah, maybe a month ago that I first heard about this. And this was the closest I got to, you know, getting on the mic again and uh, recording my thoughts and just giving you guys another podcast. Uh, but again, I procrastinated through it. So I just briefly want to run through it because this shit still blows my mind and excites me so much. Well, more so now lets me down because of the potential of it. And I still think it it was something. Um so before I get too far into it, let me just explain it to you guys. So he says, um, get your tinfoil hats and red string. I've got a conspiracy theory. Uh, Kanye West is in the middle of a performance art piece and the clues are right in front of us. A thread. He goes on to say, first, we need to establish who Denim Tears is. Forgive me if this is well-known info. I'm not great at keeping up with every celebrity. His name is Tremaine Emery. Uh, he's a collaborator and friend of Kanye. He's like a, a tall dude, has dreads, um, is up on his fashion shit. But uh, I don't know. This is the first time I was familiarized with him. Um, so two, Kanye is, well, it's, it's numbered. So that was one. This is two, but I'm not going to include that. It's fucking just going to fuck shit up uh, like it is right now. But so last night, Kanye tweeted this picture. This appears to be Tremaine at the table. We also know from a previous tweet from Tremaine that he's in Calabasas, where Kanye lives. I guess just drawing a line from um, from Tremaine's involvement to Kanye. So, Kanye also mentioned in his interview with Char Charlemagne the God, my boy Tremaine tweeted. So we can assume that he's both friends with Tremaine and looks at his Twitter account. I promise this info will be 
important coming up. Uh, he goes on, a week or so after rejoining Twitter, Kanye tweeted these images on 422. The first two images involved David Hammonds, and the third and fourth involved Joseph Joseph Boys. Uh, and, and if you guys want to see these photos, just go to uh, look the dude up on Twitter, Snowcone. Um, I'm sure he probably has it pinned, this, this whole thread, because um, this shit is fascinating. So he continues... So let's start with the first two images involving David Hammonds. After Kanye tweeted these images, Tremaine quote tweeted them with this emoji. It's a spade emoji. Um, I believe this is referring to Hammonds' work with which aimed to turn racist cliches, the spade, on its head. Um, and then he goes on, as for the other two images of Joseph Boys, the image Kanye tweeted was from an art installation Boys did in 1974 called I Like America and America Likes Me, which he locked himself into a room with a coyote for three days. Uh, the purpose of this performance with a coyote, uh, in quotes, a wild spirit often thought of as America's untamed spirit, was to hopefully make the coyote tolerant and accepting uh, through Boyce's desire to heal. Uh, I believe Kanye is doing a modern take on Boyce's piece with the coyote, He's embraced what might be considered the coyote of today, gotten close to it. Trump, Candace Owens, alt-right. Um, maybe he sees this as a better chance to quote-unquote tame the coyote and then to quote-unquote tame the coyote than more traditional methods. Um, but would Kanye get called out for doing something that's already been done or taking someone else's ideas? Maybe not if he explained himself first. So Kanye tweeted... Let's see. Um, too much emphasis is put on originality. Feel free to take ideas and update them at your will. All great artists take and update. Uh, let's be less concerned with ownership of ideas. It is important that ideas see the light of day, even if you don't get the credit for them. Let's be less concerned with credit awards and external validation. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. And that was the, you know, a photo that was included on that tweet. Um, again, it would probably help a lot if you guys followed along on Twitter, but either way, I'm going to try my best to get this across. Um, so he goes on to me, there are two clues that are most important. The first one is this tweet from Kanye. This picture posted six days after the others again shows boys, Hammonds, and now introduces what appears to be a drawing of Andy Kaufman. Um, and this was Kanye's tweet that said mood board. And it had a photo of a, two books and a notebook with a, a crude drawing that says Andy. Um, anyone that's even a little familiar with Andy Kaufman knows that he's a performance artist who would put himself in uncomfortable situations in wide view of the public eye and rarely, if ever, break character. Check out Man on the Moon or Jim and Andy on Netflix. Um, so why is that important? It shows that, one, it shows that Boys and Hammonds are still on Kanye's mind. Two, Kanye refers to it as his mood board. Uh, three, maybe most importantly, he had to purposefully add Andy Kaufman to the picture, but in a somewhat subtle way. Um, let's see, maybe having a picture or a book on Andy would be too obvious. A rough drawing with only his first name is obviously more subtle. So in this picture... You have a performance artist who tamed a wild creature by showing it love and compassion. 
an artist who took a racist symbol, the spade, and flipped it to give it new meaning, and a performance artist who wrestled women and generally acted insane in the public eye and rarely broke character. Um, he goes on, The other most important clue in all of this was Tremaine's response to Kanye's tweet. Tremaine quote tweeted it with the caption, The Prestige, and there are a couple of emojis following it, so it says The Prestige, Spade emoji, Juggling emoji, um, was it like a cowboy emoji and then wrestling emoji? Um, so maybe I'm reaching here, but I think spade represents the MAGA hat, the MAGA hat, a symbol of perceived racism. The juggling emoji could represent Kanye pulling a trick or maybe juggling a lot of things. The cowboy emoji represents taming the coyote and the wrestling represents Kaufman. Uh, going with the theory that represent, going with the theory that juggling represents pulling a trick, that could that could give some context to quote unquote the Prestige, possibly a direct reference to the movie in which the Prestige is the final act of a magic trick. And he has a photo here that says, uh, with a quote from Christopher Priest, that says every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, a deck of cards, a bird, or a man. He shows you this object. Perhaps he asks you to inspect it to see if it's indeed real, unaltered, and normal. But of course, it's probably, but of course it probably isn't. The second act is called the turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and makes it do something extraordinary. Now, now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. But you wouldn't clap yet, because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every magic trick has a third act, the hardest part, the part we call the prestige. So I guess that gives context to the prestige. And again, that was a quote from Christopher Priest. Um, so he says, another trick on the prestige, another, another quick note on the prestige this is something Tremaine had tweeted a few times. He tweeted it 45 minutes after the infamous picture of Kanye in the MAGA hat. In the movie, I don't know if it's true or not, the prestige is, to re is the reveal to the illusion. You take, an ex you take an ordinary thing, Kanye's usual stance, make it something extraordinary, supporting Trump, and then the prestige turns it back into something ordinary. Is the album his prestige? Also, Kanye is no stranger to taking a perceived racist symbol and attempting to flip it like Hammond's. In 2013, he supported a Confederate flag and commented on its meaning. Has two quotes here in which Kanye says, React how you want. Any energy is good energy. The Confederate flag represented slavery in a way. That's my abstract take on what I, what I know about it, right? So I wrote the song New Slaves. So I took the Confederate flag and made it my flag. It's my flag now. Um, and about the MAGA hat has said, Kanye has said in a quote, I feel when people think of MAGA, they don't think of empathy. This is year one. We can, we can't add empathy to MAGA by hating. We can only add empathy with love and time and truly hearing all sides. So he goes on. So my theory is, is this. Kanye, most likely with the help from Tremaine and or others, is in the middle of a performance art piece, which is, which, what is the overall goal of it? I don't know, but maybe holding a mirror up to the world and forcing us to take, to talk about some things, maybe the album will explain. 
or I could be completely wrong and looking way too much into this, but I don't think I am. Uh, is it such a stretch to think one of the greatest artists of our time who has had a hand in music, shoes, real estate, fashion, etc., would try his hand at, at uh, in performance art? Most of this came from the post on Kanye to the... Oh, okay, so it was, there was an original post that this is referencing. Um, he says, I've included a few more tweets that I that I think serve as further evidence below. One more thing, this isn't something we've never seen before. A lot of people thought Joaquin Phoenix had lost his mind when he quit acting and started rapping. Remember the Letterman interview? Turns out it was all it was all performance art for I'm still here. Um now let's see. There's a bunch of tweets that he he posts pictures of tweets from both Denim Tears and Kanye. Or Denim Tears and Kanye. Fucking always say Denim Tears. I don't know why. Um but he goes on, I've come across another large clue to support my theory. Tremaine tweeted, let's play Twister, let's play Risk, yeah, 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 which is lyrics from R.E.M.'s Man on the Moon, which is about Andy Kaufman and believing everything you see. And so a reference to those lyrics, he has the lyrics posted from the song. Um, let's see. Um... They literally, they're literally giving us the answers. We just have to know how to look for them. So Kanye, these, and he's referencing Kanye's tweets, question everything. The world is our office. I've always had the desire to do things people wouldn't even think to do. And then uh, Denim Terrors tweeted, a lie is the, is the widow of the truth, or is it the other way around? Um, so see, this shit goes deep, man. It, it was blowing my fucking mind. Um... So he goes on, at the end of this installment, or at the end of his installment, boys hugged the coyote. At TMZ, Kanye hugged Van Lathan and said, I think we have to get next to everyone. He also noted the definition of insanity as doing some, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different, a different result. Following the definition, he said, um, if we keep on saying I hate I hate, I hate you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. How are we going to get a different result with hate? Why don't we just try love? Um, maybe most importantly, he said, I, I know I disappoint the black community when, I know I disappointed the black community when I wore the hat, but like I, but like I just told J. Cole on the phone, it's a bigger plan, and I'm doing just what the universe told me. Um, as I said, Kanye is doing a modern take on I like America and America likes me. So he goes on to say that Eric Skelton pointed out Kanye is a known fan of performance artist Marina Abramovic and was once and once said, I'm like Marina Abramovic. This is like performance art. The thing is, I don't got a problem with looking stupid. Um, and then let's see. And then lastly, he quotes a tweet from or an earlier tweet saying Chris Jenner on Ellen today was asked about Kanye's behavior. She said, I'm going to let him explain himself when the time is ready. Um, and so that's the end of the thread, which blew my mind, essentially planted that seed. And through all of the all of the drama and bullshit, you know, well, not bullshit, just Kanye's bullshit. Um, you know, being the MAGA hat, 
and and initially when I saw that I was like okay he's he's trolling you know he wants attention this is you know although I I don't think he needs it it's like shallow promotion right um you know it's cheap cheap uh cheap headline fodder I guess it guarantees you're going to be on every headline for you know and it, it's it's the cheapest guarantee essentially um and I guess that's just kind of how I summed it up I was just kind of like let's wait and see what Kanye's doing um but then he goes on TMZ you know uh and that was actually really hard to watch man um not the not necessarily just the if slavery was a choice thing because I don't that that didn't affect me obviously it's not going to affect me as as much as it did the african-american community or people that have relatives who were enslaved you know he essentially just insulted and demeaned every you know their whole existence in that like as if they chose to you know endure that torture um so i get where the outrage comes from but i don't think i can fully relate to it you know, because I don't have ancestors who have gone through it or so on and so forth. Obviously, it was a foolish thing to say. And I think Kanye gets jumbled up in his own words. You know, I, I I knew, not that it makes it right. I knew what he was trying to say. He's essentially saying that, you know, to be enslaved for this long, see, you know, there's there's a level of mental enslavery. So at that, in that regard, slavery sounds like a choice. And um, obviously, that just lit a fucking fire. And all of the media was covering it for better or for worse. Um, and fans were just losing their shit. And, uh, but the, getting back to the interview, it was hard to watch, man, because he's talking about how he got lipo for, you know, he was like, I got that for you. And that really fucked me up because in my mind, it's like Kanye, like, yo, you're, you're the most confident dude I know. You taught me a lot about myself through your confidence, you know? and and through the confidence your music portrays and um and so to see him kind of reference like your opinion matters that much to me that I fucked with you know I went and got this and that I'm I'm on seven fucking what do you say seven pills a day or some shit I only took three today something along those lines um it was really hard to watch man and and it was fucked up because what I took from, you know, I sat back and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck to think, man. You know, this is one of the most influential artists in my life. And to see this guy just kind of lose it right in front of us publicly, uh, I I was lost, you know. Um, and I just kind of watched people's reactions and watched how not everyone, but an overwhelming majority of people just dismissed it like, oh, fuck Kanye, then, he's canceled, fuck Kanye, I'm not buying his albums, I'm not supporting him, so on and so forth, and I get that regarding the statements, but it's also, like, pay attention to the other shit that he's saying, talking about, you know, like, essentially just having a breakdown in front of us, and it's, like, and we just sit there, like, oh, fuck that asshole, like, this guy's clearly not mentally well, like, his mental health is, is worrisome, to say the least, and that's as a fan, you know, like, I don't know, it, it really fucked with me. And um, so I was really kind of praying on this theory, really kind of just hoping that this shit would pan out. And although the statement said could not be taken back, it would give new context and hopefully redeem himself in some people's eyes. I mean, to me, it, it seemed very smart, you know, like 
to do this performance theory when you're on the largest stage. You know, you're one of the biggest artists of our generation. And uh, he would have completely, for the most part, completely fooled everyone except for this small group that was looking to, you know, to this thread and this theory. Um, And everything kind of fed into it, man. Well, not necessarily fed into it, but to see, what was it? Um, I don't know. I guess kind of what could have been, you know, when he trolled everyone with the the lift yourself, the scoopity poop, right? Uh, I mean, he he fucking, I mean, he got me. Like, I, I was like, holy shit, new Kanye, the first single, uh, the first single off the album. I was so excited. I throw that shit on my speakers, play it loud as fuck, just disregarding everyone's privacy. They're fucking, you know, how, if they don't want the music loud, fuck you. This is new Kanye. Deal with it. It's greatness. Enjoy it. You're welcome. You know, that type of shit, right? Just playing it at, at blatant fucking volume or fucking uh, just rude volumes. And, um... And the instrumental is just going hard. Like, the, the way he chopped that sample, the, the samples up, and the instrumental in general, is fucking, you know, I was, I was about it from the, from the start. And then he goes on a little long, right? And you're just like, okay. I was like, okay, maybe he's, you know, where's, where's Kanye at? Like, maybe he just wants us to hear the instrumental, you know, it's, it's fucking fire. And he maybe he's just fucking with a new song structure. Who knows? It's Kanye, right? But I'm just waiting. I'm like, he's got a rap on it. And then you hear him talking about these bars, these bars. And that's when I was like, I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know, man. Why Why the fuck are you going to address bars? If they're bars, you don't need to introduce them, bro. Like, you know. And then, of course, you know, Scoopity Poop drops. And I mean... At first, I was taken back by it. Didn't know what the fuck to think. Then I was insulted. Then I was laughing. And um, and overall, it was funny because it, it just kind of sucked because it, it's a waste of an instrumental, obviously. But my interpretation was okay. That was to troll everyone, right? And I think it was mainly directed to troll Ebro and them, some of the radio personalities, um, and just gain coverage, right? That's going to be talked about. Like, what the fuck? Kanye's really going crazy. Um, but then I, I was thinking, okay, what's going to happen is that that instrumental is too fire not to use, right? So he's going to switch on the record, like switch two records. So you're going to have the original Lift Yourself that was the troll record. And then you're going to have, I don't know if it's still called Lift Yourself or a new song title with the same instrumental. And we're going to hear that maybe at the intro of the album or somewhere in between, but we're going to hear the start of the instrumental, we're going to be, most people will be like, oh, fuck, maybe some people will skip it, thinking they know what it is, and then he comes in, and it's a real record with real rap talking about real shit, and it would have been, I mean, I believe it would have been phenomenal, just from the instrumental itself, it's hard to fuck that up, um, and I thought that was a cool concept, I don't know if it's ever been done, I mean, I don't think it has, to my knowledge, so uh, I was like, fuck, that would be so cool. And and obviously that was just me shooting ideas around. Um, and then also with the T.I. record, you know, Yay versus the people. Um, I, I really liked the fucking concept. I think T.I., you know, wrapped his ass off, was very, 
just thorough in his explanation of his points and to know that Kanye and him just went back and forth in that moment and to hear T.I. talk about it in interviews and um I mean that shit was fascinating man and just for the concept itself I fucking loved the record and uh I was like this is dope it's showing two perspectives and uh at least creating conversation which he alludes to the record was kind of meant to do and I was like that's beautiful conceptually it's phenomenal and um I mean just to the concept is dope in itself but then to execute it properly it, you know it's just I, I really fuck with that record um just in its concept alone and then when you add on the execution I mean I really fuck with it but I don't know man and then for it to be left off the album and fuck man I don't know uh more evidence that pointed to the prestige theory what was it that I had noticed um Oh, it was on the Brilliant Idiots podcast, which if you're unfamiliar, uh, you guys should check it out. It's Charlemagne the God and Andy, I think his name's Andy something. Um, he's he's a hilarious dude, a comedian. And anyways, it's their weekly podcast and they talk about, you know, m- mostly music shit and then just they kind of get into random relationship shit, whatever, wherever it goes, right? But I was there for the music shit and... um. They talked about, you know, uh, Kanye's interview with Charlemagne. And on this episode, you know, Charlemagne gets up and leaves mid-episode. You know, he had to be somewhere or whatever. And um, they were talking about Kanye previously. And he he end, like he leaves the room by saying, uh, what the fuck did he say? He dropped um, some major clue like, I don't remember it word for word, but it's something along the lines of those of you that are like watching Kanye or whatever, just wait, you know, or just watch and then left something along those lines. And it's like, what else would you fucking mean by that? You know, and me already reading about the theory, so fucking invested, my mind blown, me just walking around fucking thinking this shit is like just wondering about this shit could it be true no one knows about it seemingly no one knows about it and uh you know this is gonna be the biggest fucking reveal of our time it's gonna be crazy right and i was like this just further confirms it me walking around with that in my head and then hearing charlemagne say that shit um so i wait right and then we get the yay record just titled yay but for the longest we didn't know what it was going to be titled everyone was saying wyoming just because that was the name that was sticking but um and i guess that's where the listening party was held um but yeah man so i was introduced to the album i through watching the uh the live stream on the wave app they live streamed um the listening party and so first off with the listening party i thought it was dope it's a dope idea to take first off just to take all those people to wyoming you know that why the fuck wyoming but also why not wyoming like it looked fucking beautiful um and also what was stood out was uh what stood out to me was the love that kanye was surrounding himself with you know just positive vibes and flying all these people out on private jets and shit um just to listen to his record 
And I fuck with that, you know, with Kanye's recent mental, you know, issues and just his his mental health in general. Um, surrounding yourself with love and compassion has to always be good, right? Um, but there is a skeptical side of me that wonders if, you know, it's more of a strategic business move where, oh, you're flying out all of these influencers, you know, these radio personalities, these people who are going to spend the next couple weeks to month talking about your album, you know, you're flying them out to kind of be in their favor, just like bribery, right? And, um, cause like, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. If Kanye picked you and said, okay, here, here's this, your plane ticket, you know, your plane leaves at this time, whatever, right? Just sending invoices out to fucking everybody. And then you get an invoice or not an invoice, you're fucking, um, you get your plane ticket, right? Um, you go, everything's covered by Kanye. You fly out there. You're just, your mind's blown. You're just fucking, you know, and then you arrive there. You're around all of, you know, artists, fucking entertainers, fucking, uh, radio personalities, just people you've seen in the media forever, but, you know, but you never got to meet and all in one place, you know, yes, Jules, that's reason enough to go. I mean, what? But, um, you were there with all these people, right? And, like, from Kanye's position, how the fuck am I going to fly you out, pay for all that shit, private jets for everybody, and then I fly you back, you know, you spend the night, party, uh, you know, hear the album for the first time with me, Kanye West, and then I fly you back, and then you go and trash my album? Like, that's not likely, right? That bribery aspect, I mean, I don't know. So the skeptic in me wonders if that could be, that could be it. I just hope that it's not, and I kind of just focus on the positive. You know, Kanye surrounding himself with um, love, and that's a beautiful thing, because you can't take the uh, the mental issues, I think, are as real as ever. And... um so getting into the Yay album, you know, I was so excited about the Prestige Theory. So when I heard this album, I was uh, I was let down initially. And I'm still somewhat unsure because I know, you know, now, especially with interviews that he's done, that he scrapped the previous album the week before the release or something of that nature and then put all these records together you know, saying that he's just feeding off the energy, that's a dope organic thing, but if the album was going to be involved with the prestige or the reveal of this social commentary, you know, this, this performance art that you're doing, I want that, that shit is so much more valuable to me than this, so when you're paying attention to the prestige theory, and you think that was all true, and leading up to the album, and then you hear Kanye scrap that album, put this album out, you know, and just because the TMZ moment was a bit too much to bear for him, I don't say just too much to bear for him, but, you know, like, that reveal could have been so huge, you know, so it's essentially the potential of the scrapped album that makes me have animosity towards this album, 
um, because it's kind of like what could have been, right? And so immediately I went into this wondering, you know, I listened through it the first time and I was upset, man, because I was waiting. I was waiting for any sort of commentary on it, you know, the prestige just to be mentioned, the fucking words, um, and nothing, just, just throw away what stood out to me because I was already, you know, bothered because I was like, wait, this is, you know, I'm not hearing anything related to the prestige theory, you know? And then, um, so I'm listening to it, and then I just hear throwaway lines like, you know, your titty, I love your titties because they prove that I can focus on two things at once. And don't get me wrong, I was already sour towards the album somewhat because I was like, wait, where's where's the content at, though? This is all great. It's vibes. Where's the content at, though? You know, um, but I don't know. Those bars don't really impress me. I know Kanye's always had this kind of tongue-in-cheek oh, it's a joke, and that shit's funny, so I'm gonna, you know, everyone at the party's gonna yell that shit out, and I know that, sh- that shit holds true, that is going to resonate, but, um, to me, it's just a throwaway line that's not funny enough to be there, like, it- it's, uh, I don't know, I don't fuck with, and th- there's multiple, there's a lot of throwaway bars on this, um, on this Yay record, but, so, let me, so that, that already put me at a, you know, at odds, especially through the first listen, um, but seeing everyone vibe, you know, there, and just bounce was dope, but, uh, so when, when the album first came on, Chris Rock, uh, yeah, Chris Rock introduced it, that was dope, um, but so the album opens, and Kanye's talking heavy shit, heavy shit, like I thought about killing myself and um and to hear that I froze up you know I was like wait you know we know there are mental issues but what you know this this album was actually you know and it's proving to be I mean it's growing on me but from that moment I was like whoa I was just taken back by it and then he goes on in the record uh, to, to say, you know, I mean, he's, so he says, I, I think about killing myself and I thought, and I love myself way more than I love you. Very Kanye, very fucking Kanye, but, uh, it's heavy as fuck. Like you, you know, just listening to what the fuck an idol of mine is saying, you know? Um, then the line, you know, he goes on, continues on the beat drops, it's fire, um, and then he says, they'll say he died so young. That shit gives me chills to this moment. Um, this album's very heavy, man. Uh, and it's very vulnerable. And, um, fuck, I don't know. And, and the melody he sings it in is just... I don't know, man. It's it's fucking heavy to me. Um, I, it's not just music. Like this shit was heavy. And then he goes on another notable song was obviously "Yikes" is hard as fuck. Even watching that live stream, I even when I listen to it now, I think back at the live stream and just watching them bounce, and when that beep drops and fucking you know, fifty for the titty pop or whatever the fuck. What is it? Um, two C two C B. I mean, the shit, like, just what? Like, what the fuck? And, um, 
or tweaking, tweaking off that 2CB. Like, what? That shit is fucking the hardest shit. And, and the way it drops. I mean, Yikes is fucking one of Kanye's hardest records ever. Um, but, you know, it goes on. I mean, wouldn't leave. He talks about my wife calling, screaming, say we about to lose it all. Had to calm her down because she couldn't breathe. Uh, told her she could leave me now, but she wouldn't leave. Again, chills. That shit was heavy to me. Um, just uh, that insight to, you know, when to ground zero, essentially, when shit is going down, when the world is crumbling around Kanye and Kim. This is what's going on. And uh, just that desperation or just feeling, yeah, like, yo, you can leave me now. You know, but she wouldn't leave. I mean... Uh, shit is, those are some of the, the lines that stood out to me, um, all mine is dope, uh, I really like Jeremiah on it, it was super odd at first, that real high-pitched voice, and then just the rhythm of it is, like, off-kilter, but once it gets into it, and the way that him and Ty Dolla Sign, I mean, the shit is just phenomenal, um, I, I really fuck, well, not phenomenal, that's way too much, I mean, I'm fucking extra with that shit, but I really do fuck with it, um, so wouldn't leave, those lines stood out, um, let's see, no mistakes, again, kind of, talking to Kim, but also addressing the, the drama, uh, or the, rather the repercussions around his statements, somewhat, not nearly as much as I thought we were going to get. That's the thing. Again, when you think you're going to get conceptual songs completely addressing what the fuck his actions were, and you just get these two, you know, these couple little lines on the side that are just like, yeah, dude, I thought I was going to lose it all or whatever. It's just like, what? Like, I, it, I don't know, man. I, I was just expecting so much more in regards to him addressing it, right? Um then let's see ghost town uh i don't like it as much as everyone seems to like it but um i i do think it's an anthem for sure and uh what is it oh seven oh shake definitely did her fucking thing when the drums come in um and and there's this odd when she's singing there's like listen to it and there's like these fucking laser beams or some shit and it's very playful and random and sporadic. But I was listening to it the other day. And I was thinking like. It's uh, the lyrics themselves are like, we're still the kids we used to be. Right. And it is very playful. These random fucking laser sounds. And I was like, that's those sounds fit these lyrics. And that's crazy. You know, um, just in such a unique way. I really fuck with that. And. And it's, you know, it's a fucking anthem. I think this, you know, it'll be huge. And I think it'll grow on me. Um, but for right now, I'm not as ecstatic about it as other people. And then Violent Crimes, um, insanely dope, beautiful. Uh, essentially, you know, a record um, devoted to fatherhood. And just, you know, his daughter and her growing up. I really like what this represents for future Kanye you know, hearing about this, really him talking about this shit and his perception of it, because he's such a polarizing figure, such a wild character, that of course we care about his take on fatherhood or, you know, defending your daughter, you know, from, 
you know, just fucking shitty kids and, you know, dudes, just dudes in general. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, currently I am, I think it's a, in all honesty, I think it's a, a good Kanye record at best. So kind of middle of the road. I mean, I try and remove all hype right now because, you know, when an album's new, you're just so hyped to hear that new sound again. Um, but I don't think this has enough to last. Like, it's it's it sounds good now, and there are a couple of songs that stand out and they're, that are beautiful, but, you know, um, I think it's a good Kanye record at best. Um, and for seven tracks, you're only going to give us seven tracks, and you can't really fuck up, but yet you have so many throwaway bars on it. Um, I don't know, man. I mean... Currently, I am very middle of the road on it, um, but I'll, I'll say the cons are, you know, obviously the throwaway bars and just kind of my anticipation for what could have been and then what we got. And I don't know, because uh, 070 Shake, she did her thing. I'm very glad she's getting the attention she's getting. Um, she has a very unique you know, singing, and it's very reminiscent of Cuddy, so it's fitting that they're, you know, on the record together, but, um, she recently revealed, uh, I think it was on Twitter, that they finished Ghost Town in, in one day, and I I was just wondering, does that, to you guys, does that lessen the value at all? Because I know music can be a vibe, and for the longest time, I was like, oh, someone that doesn't write their lyrics or someone that just rattles it off the top of their head or whatever, that's lazy, is kind of how I interpreted it. But um, more so, the you know, I understand it as, okay, you know, you just, it's a vibe, and you just channel into an energy and a feeling, and you very much just go off of that, and that kind of keeps it concise and organic and um, so I'm somewhat conflicted in that. I don't think necessarily that the speed that a record is made determines the value of it. But I don't know, man. Um, the whole record now, it probably fucked me up hearing that he scrapped the entire other record. Clearly, I'm irked by that. Not only because I, I just wonder what the fuck that record was. And then also, um, you know, this record just was clearly just done up out of nowhere like you know in a week and um I don't know that does make it very raw and organic and that leads me into the the pros the positives of this um they're very strong because uh overall I would say this this album to me is another layer of vulnerability from Kanye um, and that's crazy to see because it's Kanye West, you know, one of the most influential people on just my artistry and my confidence, really, you know. So to see him so vulnerable and talk about these mental health issues, I do think that's, a you know, a, a hugely beautiful thing because um, not only for the record itself and for Kanye, but also for for hip hop going forward and mental health in hip hop going forward cuz now it's something that you're you know can be talked about more and more and 
so for Kanye to really just be as vulnerable as he was is what stands out to me. And um, it's kind of just this beautiful, short, chaotic ride through Kanye's mind. And, um, and it's clear that this man is not okay. And that's okay. Like, you know, we don't, mental health is this thing where you, yeah, you do need to strive to find this middle ground or just to keep maintenance on it, you know, cause life is always happening. So you need to always constantly be talking about your issues and just have people close to you that love you and, don't hold back from expressing your feelings and and I think it you know just talk through things it's probably you know that's that's got to be the best advice that I have as of now um and I mean I know kind of tying into the beginning of the podcast I know it was heavy um but it's important because it's real and uh I just want you guys to uh just please constantly be learning because, you know, whenever life brings you tragedy or stress or you're just at a high pressure point in your life, there's something to learn from that moment. Um, not only about life in general, but maybe it may be about yourself and it often is. Um, so just always be learning because life is always teaching to those that are always listening. So with that being said, um, I love the fuck out of you guys it feels good to be back, um, and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.